Man, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord today and uh, here worshiping. And some of you are worshiping at home. We understand that. And you're watching online. And so I just want to thank you for watching and being a part of what God is doing. And I believe that God is doing something. I believe that. I, I believe that even though that we don't understand completely <laughs> the plan and the sovereignty of God, that God's plan is happening, Right? That God's plan is happening, that God is doing something in our lives, in your life, in my life. But he's also doing something in the lives of all of mankind. And I just kind of have a sense of anticipation that God wants to do something in your heart. He wants to do something in your mind this morning. And and I'm not sure what that is. And of course, uh, last Sunday we began a series called The Provision of Prayer. And so I want to invite you to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 24. And you remember last Sunday, um, Paul was establishing for us that that Satan is an enemy of God. We know that. The scripture tells us that. And for those that are children of God, that means that he is also our enemy as well, and that he's our enemy. And in fact, we go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and look at verse 8, and we read there in that passage to be sober and vigilant. Because Paul reminds us that the enemy is like a lion roaming to and fro through the earth, and he's seeking those that he might devour. He wants to devour us. He wants to destroy us. But, you know, Paul doesn't leave us there. (laughs) I thank the Lord for the fact that he reminds us that, 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 that God gives us the weapons that are necessary to deal with the enemy's wiles and diabolical schemes. Because the enemy has those diabolical schemes in store for you, and he wants to destroy you, he wants to devour you. But praise the Lord, Paul reminds us that we are not left unto ourselves, but we have a mighty God that is going to sweep in. He's going to lift us up in his mighty arms. And this God that loves us, that has a plan for us, is going to not only set us free, but he's going to give us a spirit of of peace and liberty that maybe you've never experienced before. So I want to invite you just to continue to think about the provision of prayer that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6. And beginning at verse 18, if you have God's word, let's go there this morning and give you a moment to look that up. Uh, just take a moment, turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, and we're going to pick up at verse 18. We'll read down through verse 24. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I love that phrase. To fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And then verse 20, for which I'm ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you something so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ and with an undying love. And, of course, he leaves us with the blessing. Let us pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the provision of prayer that you've given us. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, Father, that you are in charge and that you are leading us and you're guiding us. And I, I, I thank you, Father, that you're in the midst of what's happening right now and that we're not by ourselves. 
And so, Father, I pray that you'd go to that one that is maybe feeling a little desperate. I pray for the one that feels like they're walking through the darkest valley of their life. And I pray that, Father, that you would lift them and that your light would shine upon them. I pray for the one that is trying to make a a difficult decision right now about life. They're trying to decide something that's going to have consequences. And so I pray that you would give them direction, that you would answer their prayer and that, Father in heaven, that your direction would be obvious to them. And so, Father, we just we pray for your presence in our lives. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have just to worship you, to spend time with you in your presence. And so, Father, we pray a blessing and anointing upon this word. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen and amen. Now, as you remember, we began last Sunday pointing out three truths in this passage about the provision of prayer. And last Sunday, if you remember, it was the concept of prayer, right? It was the concept of prayer. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the content of prayer. If you're filling in the blanks or want to write some notes out, this would be the time to do it. The content of prayer. And and what this means, this kind of gives us, the passage gives us some things that should, or ideas that should fill our prayer. And in fact, the way that Paul directs us, he really divides our prayer lives into two parts. And, and you can see the two parts there in the beginning of the text, there around verse 18. He talks about prayers, obviously, he refers to prayers, you know, that are general in scope. And Paul calls this kind of praying Um, All prayers or praying for all things. In fact, the phrase that he uses there in verse 18 is all kinds of prayers. And it is a kind of praying that we do that is sometimes nonspecific. For example, you know, praying for others in general terms and we're good about that. We pray that God will bless them, that God will bless the Johnson family. We pray that, okay, Lord, that we'll have a safe trip, right? We're starting out on a trip and we're praying that we'll have a safe trip. I mean, in general terms, again, in in general scope of things, we're praying that God will bless the school and that our Christian schools will be effective and our our students will be safe. And so we're kind of praying in general terms like that. Or sometimes mom and dad, we pray that our children will grow, grow spiritually. And we pray, you know, maybe for revival. We pray that the Holy Spirit will fall down upon us and revival will just leap out of our church experience and that the church will become a thriving church We pray in general terms for the poor and for the broken and for the oppressed. And we pray that lives will be changed and those in the margins will be lifted up. We pray in general terms just like that. That's what Paul is talking about when he talks about all kinds of prayers. But then he mentions in the next line, the very sentence below that, in the next line he mentions for all the Lord's people. In fact, in the new King James Version, the way it's word is for the supplication of God's people. So that we're praying for all God's people. This, this, this means that we're praying in a very specific nature. And in these verses, Paul mentions some specific areas that should occupy our praying. And so as we're kind of drilling down on the idea that he's using here when he says all the Lord's people, or remember, this means supplication, it's referring to specific kinds of prayers or specific requests that we want to make of the Lord. So 
<clears throat> I guess the reality is, while sometimes I don't know, you know, specifically what you need, there are times that we do know the specifics of what somebody that we're praying for or, or a situation that we're praying about. The Lord shows us some specific ideas, you know, that we can pray about. Like, for example, you know, Lord, you know, allow this infection to subside in this individual or maybe our aunt's life or who it might be. Or we're praying for, you know, Bob, that he'll find a job by the end of the week, right? Specifically, we're praying in specifics. We're, we're praying that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the door, you know, might be opened up and then this opportunity will become ours. And we're praying that way specifically. I get excited when we see God answer prayers that are specific prayers. I remember a couple by the name of uh, Karen and Bob. And Bob was a paratrooper. In fact, he trained uh, men and women how to jump out of planes in the military for the 101st Airborne Division in Tennessee. And uh, Bob, so he's committed to that. But Karen, uh, she was a stay-at-home wife, and ministry was on her heart. And I'll never forget the day when she came up to me and she said, Pastor, she said, the Lord's laid on my heart compassionate ministries, and I want to start a food in the clothing bank. And I said, I had three words for her. I said, go for it. <laughs> and she really did. And she just went for it, and she went to work, and, and she began to pray specifically for God to do a few things. She prayed specifically that God would grant them a 501c3 status, you know, as far as taxes go. She prayed specifically that they would have more resources than they knew what to do with, more resources than, than the, the community required. She prayed specifically that she would be able to minister to hundreds of families. And she prayed specifically that God would give them a location, their own piece of real estate for ministry, for this ministry that was to be called Grace House Ministries. Well, folks, I remember her sharing that with me. And we sat in my office and she wrote out her notes and she talked about that and about Five years later, I remember her reminding me, say, Pastor, I want to remind you of something. Look at this, Pastor. God has given us a 501c3 status. God has given us an opportunity to resource people. In fact, somebody had donated the semi-trailer. The trailer was shock full of, of uh, non-perishable food and clothing. And, and she says, we're serving 170 families a month. And then she said, by the way, an attorney just donated to us a house for this Grace House ministry. And now there's a sign in front of the house. And God answered every one of those prayers. And she said, because we prayed specifically. I mean, that's exciting when we realize that God cares about our specific prayers. Amen. That's what Paul was referring to here in this passage. He's, he's challenging us to pray specifically in, in, in specific ways for his glory. In fact, we come back to the passage, go back to Ephesians chapter 6, and we look there around verse 19. And, and Paul then kind of pivots a little bit, and he says it this way. He says, pray also for me. Now, look at the passage for a moment. Let's dwell in it for a moment here. Because what Paul does, he, he makes some specific requests for himself. And he reminds his friends in Ephesus that he is in chains. He reminds me he's in chains. And then he assures them that his imprisonment is for the glory of God by calling himself an ambassador. And then his, his request for prayer is that he might be given words, that he might open his mouth and speak fearlessly. Look at the text there. That I might speak fearlessly and that he might make known the mystery of the gospel. And he asked for prayer that he might preach as 
as I should or to, to preach as I ought to preach or as I ought to speak. I think in one translation, it kind of puts it that way. And so what Paul shows us, his request for himself is that he might preach the gospel in a way that God will use him to draw people unto himself. And that his prayer will bless others in glorifying the kingdom of God so that people might find Jesus as their personal savior. I mean, this is the whole way that that Paul is praying when we look at the text. And I think this is key. By praying for him in this way, he's inviting the the church in, in Ephesus to pray this way. And by inviting the church in Ephesus to pray this way, the believers now are sharing in Paul's success in ministry. Why? Because they are kingdom prayers that Paul is writing about. And yes, he's requesting prayer for himself, but that prayer, even for himself, is about the kingdom of God, so that in his situation, even though he's in lock and chains, that he might bring glory and bring others to the kingdom of God. So, what am I saying? Let's go back to the passage again. This passage highlights really two great truths. It highlights the need for specific praying. I I think we've underlined that. But Paul also asked for some specific prayers to be prayed that have tangible results. So he's kind of given us, you know, this this guideline or this guidance that we can pray specifically. In fact, we remember Jesus repeatedly calls us to prayer specifically. In John chapter 14 and looking at verse 13, we read, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what are we asking in the name of Jesus Christ? You see, the promise is, is that he will answer. Why? Because we're asking in his name, meaning that we are asking specifically, you know, according to his name, according to his will and the kingdom of God. And then in John chapter 15, looking at verse 16, we read, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And so the idea is if we're praying in the name of Jesus Christ and he's answering our prayer, you see, that is the fruit and that is the fruit that remains because God is answering our prayers. God wants to answer our prayers. So I think this reminds us that it's okay. I mean, what Paul is doing here, he's reminding us that it is okay to pray for oneself. Even though we don't see Paul doing that very often, but here in this moment, I mean, in this text, he's kind of doing that. But notice, even as he's praying, you know, in this text, it's preoccupied with his concern for the kingdom of God. And this is kind of precarious because of how much society is preoccupied with self-love and self-improvement. And it's kind of bold to say that because we understand that we are this time and culture where we're taking right. We're taking pictures of ourselves and we're talking about our own narrative. and We're posting all these things that we post on social media and all these things are happening. But if we are praying, I mean, bear with me, if we're praying rightly, I mean then we are praying a prayer that is focused on God. And according to the Apostle Paul, we are also focusing on others. And so if our focus is on God and our focus is on others, I understand that can kind of, you know, grate against the societal tendency of self-promotion. I mean, I'm just saying this. Because this is really a powerful example 
that, that Paul gives us in regards to his focus, in regards to his concern for kingdom things. Now, I, I want to say that there are young people I've met today. I mean, people that are part of the millennial generation. I mean, they're just knocking it out of the park. I mean, they are on fire for Jesus. I listen to them worship and I listen to some of them preach. I mean, they're doing an awesome job. I uh, came across an article of a young lady that she was saying, I want to write from a millennial perspective. This, these are his her words, not mine. She's talking about writing from a millennial perspective. And, and in her story, she's talking about how she's struggling and juggling career choices and family relationships and how she's, you know, dealing with her relationship with her husband and how she's going to make all these decisions that have tremendous consequences in life. And as she's writing the article, you almost can feel like you're sitting in her seat because she talks about going to church, you know, dealing with all these decisions that's going to have consequences. And, and she talks about being in church. And as she's sitting in church and she's watching people smiling and worshiping God and lifting their hands. And she's sitting there and she says she cannot do a thing. She she feels no emotion. And then all of a sudden, as she's writing the article, she says, all of a sudden, I just burst into tears and I put my face in my hands and, and she says, I'm just heaving and I'm crying because I realize in that moment, I don't know how to pray. I do not even know how to pray. And so she's crying because she realizes that she has all these choices that she has to make and they have tremendous consequences and she doesn't know how to pray about it. And then all of a sudden she's reminded that she knows something about God and what she knows about God is that God is omniscient. And she says, as this thought came into her mind, as she remembers one sermon about the omniscience of God, she began to just say two words in her prayer moment as she's sitting there and everybody's worshiping around her. And she just starts saying two words to God. And she says, I know, I know. And she's now rocking back and forth in the midst of her tears. She's saying, I know. I know, God, I know you know my fear. I know, God, that you know about my anxiety. I know, God, you know about my choices that I have to make. And so she's just repeating these two words back and forth. She's saying, I know, God. Oh, I know. I know that you know, God. I know that you know. And, and so as she's just focusing on the fact that. That, that, that she knows that God knows all about her life. She feels the spirit of God just descend upon her. And this peace that began to fill her because she was turning everything that she was over to her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the reminder is this, that Paul reminds us that sometimes before we can really be passionate and effective for others, we need God's help for ourselves. I mean, before we really can be effective in our prayer life, you know, for others, that sometimes there is a work that God wants to do on ourselves. And there is a process that God wants us to go through as an individual so that we become more like he's called us to be, to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know what you're going through right now in life. And I don't know what you're facing. But I know this, that God loves you and he wants to help you through the process in becoming more like him. As he does his work in you. In fact, there are some questions we talked about last Sunday. I don't know if you guys remember those questions, but there are a few questions I want to, you know, share and answer with you this morning in regards to prayer. And here's, here's the first one. The question is, what should we remember when prayers seem to go unanswered? I mean, thinking all that Paul has been writing about and the way that we're understanding what he's teaching us. 
and his instruction, the question is, what should we remember when prayers seem to go unanswered? Well, I think Paul would want us to be certain that that God does hear our prayers, that God does answer our prayers and he answers our prayers in his timing, in his perfect and good way for his glory. We need to be reminded of that. I think Paul would want us to know that. In fact, in Psalm chapter 37, around verse three, we read this And as the psalmist is writing, read this, trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your desires. Listen to that. He will give you your desires. Commit your ways to the Lord and trust him because God will become your righteous reward. And I kind of paraphrase this, that he is saying there in Psalm chapter 37, the psalmist is saying that God will be our vindication. That God will be our righteous right arm. That God will provide for us in a way that we never dreamed. Because he loves us and wants to provide for us. And then Isaiah chapter 55, we read there, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. Even if you have no money and even if you have no supplies, even if there are no resources. You see, Isaiah is promising us that God will be our provider as we come to him and we ask him specifically. And then we go to Habakkuk. If you have God's word, turn there. Take a moment. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Let's turn there together. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Take a moment and turn there. Habakkuk chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 17 through 19. And this sounds like a farmer whose prayer is not being answered. Think of that for a moment. This is a farmer whose prayer is not being answered. We begin to read there. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, he writes. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I mean, what does that mean when he says that he will provide for us and our feet will become like our deer and we will dwell on the heights? Well, think about the feet of, of, of deer for a moment. The feet of deer are very agile, right? I mean, the feet of deer are so agile, they can leap tall fences, they can overcome obstacles. The agility of the feet of the deer, you know, they've learned how to deal with with difficulty in life. I mean, what better way do we learn the, the spiritual depths and the knowledge of God than when we have unanswered prayer, right? When we have unanswered prayer. I mean, only living in the very dark valley do we understand and appreciate the very height of our spirituality, you see, that's what God is doing. He's shaping us and he's, he's developing us. Even in unanswered prayer, he's helping us understand what faith really means. Like someone said before me, the statement was, what good is untested faith? What good is untested faith? You see, that's part of the maturing process. Even in unanswered prayer, God is developing us spiritually. And then, of course, maybe the challenge is for us just to be persistent. Remember Luke chapter 18 from last week? You remember that? Remember the widow that went and woke up the man and and was persistent and agitated him. and, And she kept on asking and asking and asking until her request was answered. You see, it's this persistence that we were called to. In fact, we go to James chapter 4 and we look at verse 2 and we read there. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get 
on your pleasures. So you see that motive, you know, as we are coming to the Lord and we're being persistent and we are praying, you see, it's the motive that has a lot to do with the effectiveness of our prayers. So so then the next question is this. I mean, I'm asking questions and answering questions. The next question is this. What attitude should we have when we go to the Lord in prayer? Right. What attitude should we have? I think Paul would want us to have an attitude of humility and love. He'd want us to have a a ready heart that is open to respond to the will of God, right? So that we might be obedient as God speaks to us and and calls to us in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. In fact, Paul kind of, you know, talks about the attitude in Philippians chapter 4. And looking at verses 4 through 7, we read there, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, think about that, let your reasonableness be be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But notice he begins there with this idea of, of being reasonable. When we think about the requests that we bring to the Lord in our prayer time, we're, we're reasonable in the reality that God is hearing. We know that for certain that God is hearing, that God is answering according to his will and his perfect purpose. But there is a sense of reasonableness, even as we are not only living with others, but even as we have an expectation of what God is doing with our prayers, we need to be reasonable. Amen. And so we recognize that. And then the last question that I want to share with you this morning or invite you to ask is what kind of prayers should we offer to the Lord? In other words, what kind of prayers do we see in the Lord's prayer? Because if we say, what is the standard? The standard would definitely be the Lord's prayer. In fact, this is kind of more instructional. But when we go to the Lord's prayer, we we see four different types of prayers. If you're writing something down, write this down. Four different types of prayers. And here's the first one. It is praise. The second one is petition. The third one is intercession. And then the fourth one is confession. So we begin with praise. So what does that mean when we begin with praise? Well, praise is worshiping God. It, it, it's, it's thanking him for who he is and, and what he's done. As we praise the Lord, we begin prayer that way. It, it's, it's the praise that really sets the dinner table of prayer so that we are ready to move forward into the presence of the Lord. And then we go to petition. And I mean, that's the heartfelt part of our prayer. We're bringing to the Lord and presenting to him the things that we're concerned about that's heavy on our heart. And we're bringing our petitions to him. And then we have intercession. That's the third one in the Lord's Prayer, that we're praying in intercession for others. And we see that in the life of Paul. I mean, he's so good at praying for others because it's always about the kingdom, right? And so we're praying about intercession. And the last one the Lord's Prayer gives us is that it's confession. It is confession. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses or forgive those who trespass against us. And so we are praying in the spirit of confession to the Lord. And we're bringing what it is that maybe has gotten between us and our creator so that the Lord knows, of course, obviously, our heart is right with him. I, I want to make a special note as I just kind of bring all these strings together today. And here it is. Sometimes prayer is simply the anguish of the soul expressing itself to God. I mean, I think about that. I I think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and when Jesus was sweating drops of blood and and how there was this anguish of the soul as he is preparing, you know, for Calvary. 
And sometimes that's what prayer is. It's the anguish of the soul that's expressing itself to God. I'll never forget when I prayed with anguish for the very first time. I was only 11 years old. I was watching the story of a young man in a movie called Time to Run. And I was watching the story of this young man that was in anguish. And he was frustrated with himself and his family and God. And he began to almost argue with God. And in that anxiety, he became angry. And then his anger turned to brokenness. And then he fell on his knees and he began to confess to God. And as I was sitting there and watching this, all of a sudden there was this anguish that erupted inside of me. And I realized that my life was not or fulfilling because I had not invited Jesus to become a part of it. And so what did I do? I prayed and I asked Jesus to become a part of my life. And I prayed, I, I believe for real, for the very first time that evening when I was 11 years old. The process of prayer, it's been a process. And it's something that the Lord is developing in me. And I'm still learning about prayer and how to, you know, formulate my prayers and how to even sometimes categorize my prayers. But I know this, that God is glorified when we communicate with him. Remember what we defined last week, that prayer is simply talking to God. I don't know what you're going through in life, but I know this, that God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear from you. So I want to invite you, congregation, mission church. I want to invite the church just to talk with God, to pray, and to worship him this morning as we just uh, gather once again in front of him. I think we're going to worship. And as we just come up and we just uh, prepare to worship one more time, I just invite you, just even in a spirit of prayer, that you would just come before the Lord right now. They prayerfully sing the song and listen. Prayerfully just You know, go before the Lord this morning and just talk with him. Lift his name up. Lift your voice to the Lord. And I believe that God will be honored in your prayer as Paul was so active in his prayer life. I can't imagine Paul doing anything, writing a letter, traveling to a new city, spending time in chains and jail without first basking hours in prayer. God's calling us to pray, Mission Church. I want to invite you to begin to pray right now. Let's pray together. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you for your word that is alive and active and sharp as a a double-edged sword. That this word, Father, it matters. It means something to us. And so, Father, I pray that as we worship you, that we will, in a spirit of prayer, lift your name up. We thank you, Father, for hearing our voice. We thank you, God, for always listening, for always answering for always being there. We love you, Father. We love talking with you. We love praying to you. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen.